Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. And then Jesus at the cross would say to John, John was there, right there at the cross while he was being crucified and said to Mary and to John, behold your mother, John. In other words, I'm entrusting the care of my mother to you. You see, there's different levels you can go to with God. How much of the Lord do you want? We even provide that here at Christ Community Church. We have, we have different layers that you can go to. You can, you can get into a home group, a home fellowship where, where it's not the Sunday morning. It's not the feeding of the 5,000. It, it's going from the crowd into smaller groups to where you're connecting with people and you're actually discussing the scriptures. Everybody's weighing in and the Holy Spirit's leading. Gifts are exercised and all these things are happening in a small group. There, there's the Imperial Valley School of Ministry where we just had the graduations where people said, man, I want more of the word. I want to know God in a deeper way. And they go in there and they study. Three years of their life they commit. Then there's the school of discipleship that Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan has where there's a group of 12 to 20 people that he takes through in a year and, and in that time they learn to pray for people. They learn to share the gospel. They learn the deeper things of God in that place. Then they go to a mission trip in Oaxaca and they're ministering to people. What do you want from the Lord? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to taste it and see that he is good? See, most, I'm not singling anybody out. I don't know your life. But I do know the church in America, they want to show up on Sunday. Not even every Sunday anymore. They want to show up once a month. And instead of them following Jesus like the disciples, and then Jesus bringing them to the garden. They want Jesus to follow them. They want to say, Jesus, follow me. Follow my life. Follow my path. And God speaks to us and he's, he's constantly speaking to us. He's constantly chiseling on our hearts. Wanting to break through. But our hearts get so hard, which gets so insane. And all, all this time, Jesus is saying, follow me, follow me. And so some of us stay carnal our whole lives. There's such thing as carnal Christians. Do you know that? If you don't believe me, read 1 Corinthians, because that was correction for a carnal church. And in chapter 3, Paul says, are you not acting carnal? Like babes in Christ, like, man, you guys should be eating meat now and you're on milk. But see, it's the decision. How far do we go? It's deciding not to do certain things, and it's deciding to do other things. It's not deciding to feed the flesh all the time. I know what you're thinking. Oh, Pastor Walt, look at you, man. You're, you're feeding your flesh all the time. I'm not talking about that. 
not talking about Ruth Chris steaks or In-N-Out burgers. If you want healthy food, eat In-N-Out. <laughs> no. There's got to be this rhythm. There's got to be this. Notice the submission of prayer. I've got to press forward. In verses 41 to 42, we saw the, the rhythm of Jesus' prayer. It was his custom. He had a specific place. It was wired into him. But, but then what happens when he prays? That's just as important. When we get on our knees and we begin to pray, what happens then? What happens when God speaks to us? What happens when we hear his voice in prayer? Because that's where we're going. We're going, prayer is, man, I'm going, Lord, not to get my will done. I'm going to have an encounter with you. I want to hear your voice, God. Like Peter said, where shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. It's like, man, Lord, I, I, I know I'm supposed to pray. But man, what happens on our knees is just as important when God speaks to us. And we hear his voice. And so we see this submission in prayer in verses 41 to 42. And I believe the submission in Jesus' prayer life, when he, he's praying to the Father and the submission is there, I believe it's seen in both his words and his posture. Look what it says. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down, knelt down. Now, there's different postures in the Bible and praying. There, people were prostrated on their face. Others were standing and praying. Others sat in prayer. Others lifted their hands in prayer. But I think kneeling is the posture that says, God, I'm coming to meet the king. To kneel down as if a subject of a kingdom was coming in to have a meeting with a king. And they enter the throne room of that king. They kneel before the king. We've seen it in movies. I've seen it in Thailand. You know, the videos, they got a picture even of the king. It's required to have a picture in the churches and things like that. But Jesus knelt. How about that? The king of kings kneels before his father. Now, I just want to point something out. I wasn't like, you can take with it what you want, but I want you to see something here. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw. How far is a stone's throw? I, don't, I was trying to think about this because I'm getting at something, but to throw a stone, I mean, how far is that? I want you to see something here. That Jesus was a stone's throw away. He was a good distance away from the others, but they still heard him praying because they recorded his prayer. I believe it's important we pray not just in our mind, but with the words. Not just in our heart with words. Why? Satan cannot read your mind, but he can hear your words. And I believe that if we're calling prayer, warfare, that he needs to hear what I'm praying. Satan, unleash those souls who are held captive by fentanyl. There's a girl I'm, you know, working with in Yuma right now. Her grandmother was a member of our church, and so her granddaughter got hooked on fentanyl, and, and she's coming off it now. And, and she met me in the office with the grandmother, and I prayed for her. And I'm praying 
Satan, you got no dominion there. She's going to walk out of here free. And sometimes our prayers are like, it's almost like um, Peter Pan, Tink Happy Tots. <laughs> We're not going to think. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Is the mind involved in that? Absolutely. Is the spirit involved in that? Yes. So we're going to pray. We're doing war. This is full-time warfare, man. We're on the front lines. This is not part-time. This is full-time warfare. And don't ever be afraid to raise your voices when you're praying. If we were having a corporate meeting here, it should look more like Acts chapter 4, where when the church was under persecution, and what do they do? They went to prayer. They didn't try and fight them. They didn't try and do anything. But it says they all cried out with one voice. They started crying out to God. That's got to shake hell's gates, don't you think? To know that those very words that you're speaking are rising up to the king of glory. That's powerful, powerful stuff. So he kneels, and I think that even with Paul, that there was something about Paul's prayer, because I preached on this at Spiritual Emphasis, part of this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, is Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus, he says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I like that. Paul says, I bow my knees. To me, that's my favorite posture in prayer. There's something about kneeling before God. You know, James, the half-brother of uh, Jesus, he wrote the book of James. You know what his nickname was? They called him old camel knees. You know why? Because they said he spent so much time on his knees praying for people and interceding on behalf and that God would forgive their sins and everything else that his knees began to look like an old weathered camel. Church tradition says it. He prays, you know, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. What cup? Well, the symbol of a cup in the Old Testament was God's wrath. You could read about it in Psalm 75, verse 8, Isaiah 51, 17, Jeremiah 25, 15. I don't have time to go over all those verses, but it was speaking of the wrath of God. So Jesus in this garden prayer is praying, and this is why the agony was, was so great, was praying that if it's possible to remove this cup, because it wasn't just about the Roman beating and the being nailed to the... It wasn't just about the physical pain. It was about the wrath that he was going to bear for our sins. God was going to pour out his wrath in his own son. That's what's so mind-blowing. And yet, he says this. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It makes all the difference, doesn't it, in the attitude we say that? How are we saying those things? What is the attitude of our heart towards saying, my will be done? Because uh, somebody may say it's a tone of helplessness and helpless submission, as if it's hopeless to even fight back. There's that attitude. You know, I can't do anything else, just give up. He may say it's someone has been beating me into submission. They tried to fight, but they lost, and they were beat into submission. But 
there's Jesus' words here who was loving, humble submission to the will of the Father. Jesus was fully God, fully man, demonstrated us a life lived in complete, total, undivided submission and faithfulness to the Father. And the prayerful submission of Christ challenges us to both pray and live a life that says, not my will, but your will be done. That's why these people experienced such an amazing move of God on the mission field. They could have done a lot of different stuff with their money. They could have done a lot of different stuff with their time. But through prayer, God said, you're going to Oaxaca. And they said, not my will be done, but your will be done. And they signed up for that trip. And because God's will was done in their life, it wasn't about their will. See, that's what opens up the channel of the blessings of God to other people's lives. It's like Abraham. You remember when Abraham was called out? God made a promise. You're going to step out in faith to a place I'm not even going to tell you or show you yet. You're going to leave your father's household. You're going to leave your own homeland to go to a place that I'm going to show you. But as a result, all the families of the earth will be blessed because of that. And Abraham stepped out in faith, following the will of God, and as a result, it opened up the windows of God's blessings to the world. That's what your life is. Jesus said that when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God. And when we do that, we pray that will, our lives become a window of God's blessings pouring out to other people. We see where in the garden where Adam sinned and threw humanity into a tailspin, into destruction, but that wasn't the end of the story. That through Adam's disobedience, this world is a result of, of Satan ruling and reigning in people's lives, taking people into bondage, but through one man's obedience, we're set free. And that's why Romans chapter 5 verses 18 through 19 are important. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience. Now think of the prayer in the garden when you read that verse, that also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Adam's actions said, my will be done. Jesus' actions in the garden said, thy will be done. Thy will be done. I want you to see the anguish in prayer in verses 43 to 44. Because God the Father did not remove the cup of his wrath. He did not remove that cup. Look at what it says. It says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. But he did strengthen. Look at this. And there appeared to him an angel of heaven who strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. 
This is the stress that Jesus went through. It's a condition called hematidrosis. Hematidrosis, it's where you're stressed out so much that your vessels begin to break, and when you sweat, blood actually comes out. It doesn't happen too often. You can look it up on the internet, like WebMD or something. They'll all describe this condition. They'll say it's very rare for anybody to get this condition. But the stress that Jesus was bearing at the time caused this condition. This is the anguish he was in. And you need to know that when you say, I'm stressed out, In this life, believe me, God identifies with that. He knows what you went through. We have a high priest in Hebrews chapter 4 that says, sympathizes with our weaknesses. In every way he was tempted, but without sin. So you may say this morning, I'm stressed. You don't know the load I'm carrying and everything else. God does. God does. And and he identifies and he has sympathy with that. He walks through it with us. Now notice that that verse doesn't say that God delivered him from the cup. But what happened? An angel came and strengthened him. See, sometimes we want God to deliver us from the storm. And he never promises to deliver us from the storm. But he does promise to go through the storm with us. He does promise to go through it with us. I just need you to know today that Jesus was so stressed over this situation that he started. And it shows the beautiful humanity side of Jesus because it had to be flesh and blood that died on the cross. Couldn't be an angel. Couldn't be any other being or any other part of God's creation. It had to be a human. And that's why Jesus' divinity And humanity is so important to understand. When he was born of a virgin, that was God becoming flesh and blood. But thank God, right? Thank God when you read about all the Greek mythologies and all the gods. I mean, in college, they teach you about all this stuff. In high school, they teach you about all these different gods. The Roman gods, the Greek gods, and everything else. And there are all these distant gods. And and not one of them is God become flesh and identifies with us. And suffered in every way possible. Jesus did. That's why we have a Savior that walks with us and has compassion on us. So if you're stressed today, I got good news for you. The stress may not go right away. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus is right there with you. Jesus is there every step of the way. You say, how do you know that? You're just preaching that. No. In the deepest, darkest moments of my life, God was there. Jesus grabbed my hand and walked through. Nobody's ever going to tell me there's not a God in heaven. Nobody can ever tell me that. My personal experiences are of such they put flesh on many of the scriptures. And I've been as stressed as many of you at times. I've faced things that many of you have faced. And I can tell you today that God is faithful. God is faithful every step of the way. So, last, I'm going to skip over a lot of stuff, but 
the call of prayer, I want us to see this as we close this morning in verses 45 to 46. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, notice that we need to understand that, that prayer isn't just an offensive weapon. Prayer is also a defensive weapon. That as we pray for things to get done, maybe we're praying for Thailand. Maybe we're praying for what happened in Oaxaca, Mexico. We prayed for the missions trip. You remember last Sunday, we were praying for those who went down. And to me, that's offensive praying. But defensive praying is just as relevant too. And Jesus says, pray that you fall not into temptation. And this is why we need to continue to pray for our kids we need to continue. When our prayers are prayed on behalf of our kids, to me, I'm reminded of a defense system like the Iron Dome in, in Israel, right? The Iron Dome, they shoot these missiles over from the Gaza Strip and everything else, and yet those missiles are taken down. It's called the Iron Dome. They literally just take missiles out of the air. And everything that the enemy is shooting towards Jerusalem is taken out. And I have that imagery in my mind quite often when I pray for my children, when I pray for my wife, when I pray for others. And you need to be praying for your marriages. You need to be praying for your spouses. Some of you are seeing way too many counselors and you're not going to the counselor himself. Amen. People go to sleep, don't they, in prayer? I shared with you the story last week, the week before when I was preaching, that when I first started to pray, I slept. I really related to the disciples because they told me you had to pray for 30 minutes every morning. And I'm like, wait a minute, I just came off drugs. And you're telling me I got to pray for 30 minutes? How's that going to happen? And so I would get on my knees and I would pray. And I would pray, and I lasted about five minutes. Then I started thinking about who the Eagles were going to draft. And I started thinking about what just different stuff because your mind tends to wander. And to me, that was sleeping. That was sleeping in prayer. That even though I wasn't physical sleeping, my mind was wandering to such a place that it was basically sleeping before God. And we need to know 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. That as we begin to pray, that we would learn to pray the way the Lord wants us to pray. That sometimes there's great agony in prayer. Some of you are agonizing right now over your children as you pray for them. Or some of you are agonizing over your work as you pray for your job situation. I know that. Because I've counseled with some of you through all of that. And so I know what you face. But I want you to know this, that we have to come to that resolution of God, not my will be done, but your will be done. And when we learn to pray in that type of humble submission, God moves through us in mighty, most amazing, most crazy ways. We see people get saved that we never thought would get saved. I remember being surprised the day I led my father to Christ. 
I was like, man, I shook my head after that. How did that happen? He opposed the gospel for so long. For 14 years, he said no to Jesus. Got mad at me, but I kept praying for him, kept praying. And then he told me, share the gospel now. Share the gospel now. It was at Joe's Crab Shack and shared the gospel. And he came to Christ, but it had to be his will being done. Amen. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.